Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Tomorrow evening at Croke Park, the Sligo footballers play Wicklow in their league final with promotion already secured after finishing top of the table. For everyone connected with Sligo football, it's sure to be an emotional occasion because the match falls on the one-year anniversary of the death of Red Oak Murphy, a highly talented young player who was widely expected to go on and have a stellar inter-county career. On April the 1st last year, aged 21 and just a few days before he was due to collect an award for being named in the Sigerson Cup Team of the Year, Red Oak died by suicide. Today, his parents, Geraldine and Redmond, are on the show to remember Red Oak. You're very welcome to Friday's Second Captain's Podcast. Hey, Murph. Hey, on. How's it going? We're going to have the usual Friday bits at the end of the pod, but in a break from the norm, we are making this episode available to everybody, not just World Service members. Redmond and Geraldine would like their story to reach as many people as possible in the hope of encouraging others experiencing challenges with their mental health to talk to somebody about the difficulties that they're going through. Now, his parents will tell us more about who their son was as a person as a footballer he was clearly phenomenally gifted mm. he was from Moyla uh, played for Curry, the local club there in 2017 he helped Sligo reach the All-Ireland minor quarterfinal top scoring in every game despite being a year younger than his teammates man of the match in that quarterfinal defeat against Derry kicking 11 points out of Sligo's total of 15 in a one point defeat Wow! I mean you can't really deliver much more than that on the big day he went on to captain the minors the following year had a stint in Aussie rules with North Melbourne and more recently was making strides with DCU Murph like he's picked mm-hmm. on the Sigerson team effectively the all-stars Sigerson all-stars were on yeah. a better term I would imagine you don't make that kind of uh, selection without being a serious footballer. Yeah, like as has has been the case in DCU for the last probably ten or fifteen years, nearly everyone on that team is an intercounty player. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's they're well used to seeing fellas from counties like Sligo come up with reputations and trying to fit them in with you know lads that have made Dublin under 21 teams and carry under 21 teams and stuff like that but it was obvious that Red Oak was um, 
of a different level altogether first of all to make that all-star team but also just to score as heavily as he did from midfield and centre forward which were kind of his main positions um, and also just to hear of what his teammates have said about him over the course of the last 12 months or more uh, you, it kind of makes you realise that you're dealing with a, a genuinely uh, you say, I think he's used the word phenomenon like a genuinely phenomenal talent uh, in the sport of Gaelic football the did you see the point? Did you see the sideline point? Yes, that, that yes. has been posted in the, in the year since. It's amazing. It's just a clip of him kicking a point from a sideline against St Mary's in Belfast from a crazy angle. You you assume it's out on the left, right, like near enough the corner flag, mm. left touchline, obviously left sideline. And you'd assume you'd have to be a right footer to even give yourself a chance of hitting it. But he nonchalantly collects the ball, sort of flicks it up to himself, walks over to the sideline takes a few steps back hops the ball a couple of times to settle himself and then proceeds to with his left slice the ball deliberately mm. over the bar with the outside of his boot it's one of the, it's one of the most unbelievable scores I think I've ever yeah. seen it yeah. just an absolutely I mean the sort of thing that you give out to players for going for <laughs> yeah. basically unless yeah. they're as good as that just talking to people in Sligo this week his death last year was it was such a seismic event in the county he was so well known like already a real superstar are there and the news has felt more widely in the GAA mm. community as well this is David Clifford during his victory speech after Kerry won the Division 1 league final last year uh, I just want to just just uh, uh, I suppose send regards from everyone in Kerry GAA to the family of Red Old Murphy from Sligo uh, I suppose I was um Sigerson this year um, and we saw what he could do so like I said just uh, send our best wishes to the family uh, from everyone in Kerry GA so thanks lads yeah, nice words last year from David Clifford about Red Oak Murphy now here is our chat with Red Oak's mum and dad This Saturday, the 1st of April, marks the one-year anniversary of the death of Red Oak Murphy. Red Oak's parents, Geraldine and Redmond, have been good enough to come into studio today to to share their memories of their son and also to try to open up a conversation around suicide, which hopefully can benefit others who are struggling with mental health issues. Guys, thanks so much, first of all, for coming in. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, it's the one-year anniversary, as I mentioned. Uh, what kind of thoughts are, are going through your head as that date approaches? I suppose, I mean, every day it's with us and just because it's a year, it doesn't make it much more different for us. Like, But I mean, we take one day at a time and um, that's the way we, we deal with it. And we believe that he's still with us unless we get our strength from him. So, yeah. Is that the same for you, Redmond? It's the same, yeah. We had conversations during the week uh, with respect to, um, you know, making a special hoo-ha about this next weekend coming but as Jodeline says like we miss him every day and probably more on some days yeah. and that uh, you know not to 
I suppose, raise the, the sadness in any particular time just to try and keep everything on an evil keel, you know. The Sligo obviously in the league final this weekend as well, so I, I guess that, that there's an extra emotion around that probably as well. Um, there is for us in the sense that every time we watch Sligo playing, we think of, you know, Red Oak being playing with them. So there's a little bit of that, but, you know, you learn to cope, you learn to cope. You've, you've kind of alluded to it being there obviously every day and there being some days better than others. Ha- has the year, has the time helped at all, do you think? I don't think, you, no, you never forget. You don't forget. Um, but like you, you, you just deal with it. You, as people say, you do learn to deal with it. But it said he'll never forgot, be forgotten. You know, the love that was in it will never be broken. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, we've said all very openly from the start that we look back on and, and the, and the great memories. Like, it, there's a lovely line in Malky Clerkins. <laughs> at the end of it, he says something like, you look to, to the brightness, the light in the, in the sky, as opposed to, but it's a beautiful, the last line in the article. Yeah. So we look, we look with fond memories of, of the 21 years and what he achieved and we were there with him because we were both of us and we were there with all our lads, not their, you know, whatever they're doing. So we were with him all the way in that journey, you know. Can I hear some of those memories? Like what, what kind of a person was Red Oak? Well, I suppose from the beginning, he was always very lively. He was always out there. Um, he was ambitious and he always wanted to do his best. And But a, a very funny story, and I haven't told this story before, is that we were um, at a football match and it was an at, an, at an under 10 football match in down in Sligo. I won't name the place, but... Um, they, they were there playing and um, these parents from the other side and the, one of the mothers was there and her fellow was going he was kicking the ball all over the place and you know he was doing well and she used to clap and she'd say that's my boy that's my boy and she was doing well and singing the on so the next thing Red Oak got the ball and um, she was bursting my head actually so then Red Oak got the ball and he was coming up the field with it and he came from one end of the pitch to the other and put it in banged in the back of the goal and I just clapped my hands and I said that's my boy <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so yeah so uh, those, you know you have the, all those memories to look back on it's so nice the, the word perfectionist uh, I think was used I've seen in the Maliki piece and elsewhere about Red Oak is that right yeah yeah very much um, everything was was very he was he, he always had everything just right so the the story we've been told you know, with the different interviews, we'll just try and mix up the stories because there's a good... So, so yeah, I'm just sure you have so many, of course. Yeah. So the, the, this piece that, um, you know, I think up to the age of 15, Ger, I used to, he'd line out his gear on the floor and he'd say, right, Dad, come on. And I'd say, boots, yeah, socks, yeah, you know, togs, yeah, short gum underarm, shield. yeah, <laughs> gum shield, yeah. He'd, he'd just have it lined out. So he, he had to have, in, and his togs and his clothes uh, all of the years, like everything had to be perfect. You know, in the sense that, you know, everything was just right. Mm. Um, and then from the educational side of things, like he would be in his room and he would study and, um, yeah, he'd have to have it off pit for pat. And as we have said before, he would, like, to memorise something, he would put it into his desk, he'd a wooden desk and he would inscribe it and he'd be learning it off. And, like, those all those inscriptions are still on his desk in his room. Yeah. As I, I spoke to Colin McGee, who had him at school as a teacher and as, as a coach as well. And he, he was backing up exactly what you were saying about the academic side. And then he said, football-wise... He put him into the senior team in third year, I think, yeah, which is not the done thing very rare, yeah. usually. So obviously he saw the talent. But when people would ask him, ask Colin McGee, what has he got? You know, what, what is, what's he like as a player? He said, it's not what he has. It's that he lacks nothing. That's what he used to say, that he, he an all-rounder basically on the field and there were no weaknesses, really. Yeah, I, I think of all the years and at underage in, 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 in um, 
Sligo playing with Curry like that in, in GA terms Curry the club is, is number one you know mm-hmm. so he'd play and he, he was quite uh, from the years from I suppose 12 onwards he'd have been playing with numerous underage teams probably making up numbers of times in a sense but he always performed well and he was a focus of you know this is the guy we have to mark and you know we'll, there'll be a bit of physical involved so as it went on when he got to college in DCU specifically he'd um, he was playing with he seemed to really be settled in. He, he, there was nobody. He wasn't the focus anymore, and mm-hmm. and he, he seemed to, you know, thrive playing. He was never as content playing Gaelic as he was the couple of, the couple of years in DC. When you're that good from that young, did his personality change at all? Did he get get the big head or anything no. as, as young lads, young people can do? No, I mean he didn't realise he was as good as he was. Nor did we, I suppose. I mean, we knew he was good, but we'd never like if he had a bad game we'd be sure to tell him he had a bad game. And I mean, people used to say to me, Jerry, you're very hard on him. But like, if he played well, you'd say, yeah, great game. But like, you know, there's always room for improvement. But he he was the one that he wanted to get it right. If it was something happened on the pitch and was Redmond, I'll tell you the stories. But um, yeah, he, he'd want to get it right. So I'm sorry, just, just when you were telling him he had a bad game, how would those kind of conversations go? Oh, Jesus, he'd say, oh, Jesus. But, you know, recently I found in his room, he had a diary and he had it kept from every match he played. Right. Yeah. So he was that meticulous yeah. in, yeah. in what he did. And all the, I don't think you haven't read it. No, but it's like everything's in it. But at the very end of every every um, match, he's got courage. This is what he has at the end. Yeah. Courage. He had. A, he did, we didn't talk about the level, but he's an unbelievable. Right. You know, Colin McGee talked about in his mass like he played thirteen Connacht finals for the schools. Now school was really talented. They had a lot of. For a, for a Sligo school he played three Connacht A finals senior schools finals and he started at 15 so he played from there he played three in a, three in a row now the last year was he would have been expected to do the performance but I think the best one for me was and Kieran would appreciate this we played St. Jarlitz in a junior A final <laughs> and uh, it was 3.15 we bet Jarlitz well on the day but we scored 3.15 as a school and Red Oak scored 3.11 or 3.15 oh, wow and That's against Jarrett's in a Connacht in a junior A final, it was incredible. Oh. for me. It was special. Well, listen, feel, feel free to stick it to Kieran now, and you, <laughs> you you chat to him after the piece. That's the, that's a phenomenal achievement. You know, this, that kind of scoring. But he also, sorry, in the middle of all this, right? We mentioned the the different finals. He went to Australia, so he went to the AFL. That was he was still in school when when he went to the AFL, right? It was quite a. The, um, he, he he came to, I suppose he came to national recognition. He played. They played Derry in a. All Ireland quarter final minor. Mm. Now he was a year young that year when he was playing, but he Derry beat them. The year Der- Kerry bet Derry in the final, the minor final, and um, uh, Sligo Derry beat Sligo by a pint on, on that day, fifteen pints to um, sixteen pints, fifteen I think, and he scored eleven out of the fifteen pints mm. for Sligo that day. Yeah. So that he got uh, sports. Sports. What was it, Ger? Player of the year. He got player of the week. I I forget that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, then he came to the attention of the scouts then for for the AFL, and he he attended a combine in Dublin, and from there he was after contract. Well, he went away to Australia for two weeks trial with a guy from Derry, and the two of them and he was picked and, and given a full time contract. Uh, 
That's got to be a tricky one from the parents' point of view, though, right? It's like, yeah, because yeah. he was, yeah, he wasn't eighteen when the scout came initially, and then like they had to wait until he was eighteen to say whether he, they'd take him, accept him or not. But like he was going into his leaving search year, and we were saying, Red Oak, you know, you're leaving search, and you know, in Ireland, kind of the leaving search mm-hmm. is the be all and end all of everything, which it shouldn't be really. Mm-hmm. But so we said to him, if he was going to go, like we would never stop him going, but if he wanted to go and it didn't work out and um, that he would have if it didn't work out he'd have to come back and do his leaving cert so that was like what he went on and um, and then he when we, he was there for how many about January to, to end of August August yeah. and then like we he said he wanted to come home and that was fine we were delighted to have him coming home but again he'd have to go back into do his leaving cert and um then his brother, who's the, um, just the next one down from me, he would, was in the leaving search year and um, he was kind of shocked at this, like, and he's going to say, well, like, who's he going to pal around with, you know, because I mean, all his old friends are gone. But yeah, he came back and he, he came back, I think, on a Monday. He went back to school very quickly. We, of course, we have had to ask um, Central Tractors if they'd accept him back in and of course they did. It was open arms. Yeah. Were very good to him, yeah. You, you said earlier, Redmond, that he was very happy football-wise, certainly when... Um, when he was with the college, when he was with DCU, and obviously playing very well because he was effectively an all-star. He was, he was a few days away from picking up his his trophy for being in the team of the year. Yeah, he, he seemed, in in the underage up through the, and even at, at county level up to pre-Australia, he, um, he'd have been getting a lot of attention on the pitch and he would have, you know, get very frustrated with that. And, you know, he'd get frustrated in the game then. Mm. But when he started playing college, he like that was gone. Like he was, he was really relaxed playing football. He was content on the pitch. He never swore at a referee, which was common, mm. common enough. And he was, you know, and, and he was just anonymous on the pitch, other than playing football. You know, off the pitch, did he seem happy? Oh my God, yeah, he was very happy. Um, actually, that week, I mean, we thought he we had had the discussion that like he was that we thought he was so happy that week. Um, the week, like say this time last year, and uh, that like there was no sign of discontentment. I mean, he was okay. Yeah, he was out on teaching practice, and that can be stressful. But um, like we said to him, like you'll get over that, and that that'll you know it'll, you'll you'll be fine. But that like, other than that, there was nothing. So, so he he seemed so fine that you, you had actually had a conversation about how good he se- that he seems to be in great form. Oh yeah, we had had that right. week. We were saying like he was having it was great that he had got you know to go to the awards night that and he was like going down to EJ's and Sligo to do his shopping for his clothes, which he was mad into his style. And it, Rachel was coming down his girlfriend, and they were going to see Reverend's mother in Galway that weekend. Dahi's birthday uh, we were going out that was booked for the Sunday like there were so many plans mm. in place and he was he just seemed to be so content and then this out of the blue and he hadn't had mental health issues that you know of before that there wasn't a history so much I suppose that the confidence well the false confidence we had was that you know he talked about everything no, no matter what was you know it, it could have been after matches, we talk. I would now. This is with all the lads. We talk about Red Oaks specifically today, but this is with all the lads. Yeah. We'd have numerous long conversations after matches, and we'd slice it up and dice it around. and And he'd be part of that. And there was times in Dublin, in DCU, where his first Sigerson outing for the seniors, he he was asked to leave the pitch that night because he misdemeanor. And uh, oh, that night we were we were ages talking to him, you know that oh, he said never get to play Sigerson now and all this, you know. So 
he, he wore his heart and we spent I say an hour that night Jeremy you and me talking you know you'd be alright you know but and he never looked back after that either mm-hmm. but, but he, he talked was, at Paddy Christie was very good to him was, well, were all the <coughs> DCU um, team but like, they were they were excellent pa- Paddy Christie's in charge of the football we, out there yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, they were so good and like Paddy as you know was a principal of a school so he used to go out and teach and practice or teaching something out to Paddy as well and um, yeah he enjoyed him but, but they never knew they never knew that he was uh, an inter-county footballer or that he was uh, he was in Australia playing AFL. They never knew. He, he just never wouldn't say a word. He wouldn't no, say no, yeah. no. Obviously, Paddy knew, but the rest of the teachers and, and staff <coughs> in the school didn't know. So did you feel the same, Geraldine, as, as Redmond, that you had a very open relationship with him that he generally yes. talked to you about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he would talk talk to me, yeah, and a lot of things. And some things he would discuss with me that he wouldn't discuss with his father and I presume vice versa, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we, like, we did. And that's like... With this, we he wouldn't have done anything to hurt any of us, but especially me. Yeah. Um, I, and again, if there's anything you're not comfortable talking about, absolutely let me know. But can either of you describe how you found out what happened on the day? How much, how exactly that unfolded for you? Um, we said uh, Red was with Rachel, his girlfriend, out in, in um North Dub- or South Dublin um, Fair House out there he was in a, in a school out there the two of them but they didn't know they were going out each other um, Rachel had you know Red didn't show up on the Friday morning obviously and uh, Rachel had texted Oisin and Oisin was in Limerick so Oisin then rang Mammy and said did you hear from Red Oak and then it started from there you know we started ringing security to check his room check was the car there all that elements of thing. and as that was happening then I, I began to head across town across to the, to the college and Jerry was waiting for further news and into the phone so that day the site director had come by and we knew there was something very wrong Yeah from when I got the phone call at 12 o'clock from Mushin to say like had I heard from him and, uh, he's, and I said sure he's at school and he said no ma'am he's not and once I knew heard that he wasn't in school I knew there was something radically wrong because that wouldn't be Red Oak style um, not to inform someone if he was sick or if he'd been in an accident or something so yeah, I knew there was something wrong. Like as I said, I was at work in Curry and Reverend was in Dublin, and thought he was in um, Saint Tractors in school. So then it was the longest half an hour just waiting for um, to hear something back. And when Ushin did get um, the news that he was dead, um, like he was trying to get Thahi from the secondary school without hearing. But it's you know social media like it just used to travel so quickly. But mm-hmm. in fairness, um, the deputy principal there she got Thahi and brought him to me, which is about just three miles away, um, but without him. And she was trying to keep his phone off him that he wouldn't. You know, she was trying to keep him in a conversation that he wouldn't look at his phone because she knew it was going to be on it. So, so then from there, then Oshin, Oshin began to ring to say that. Red Og was found. The way he put it to me, he said he was with the footballers. And I said, is he dead? And he said, yeah, no, he's dead. He said, and, um, he said, don't do anything stupid now, I'll be up to you soon. So that was his first thought to come to look after yeah. me. So he did. And um, Geraldine in the meantime would have known then as well. So the guards were at the, the room at that point. Like a number of things happened. The guards would have inspected the room prior to that. Security would have done the, the protocol with respect to the, the uh, uh, you know, his death. But um, I arrived in shortly after that and uh, I went into the room and read for a while because I, I feel to this day that was good for me too, that I seen him, you know, as it was. And um, 
I was at home in Moila and like the neighbours at the stage had come in and they were and my family <coughs> were there. My family are just in Swinford and where's Redmond's around Galway. But like the the news started to filter through and just like from when I came home, people, the neighbours were in and they were, you know, very good and consoling and doing their bit for us. But like they, the neighbours and the GA and everybody took over from there, you know, looking after us. But like we had a week before Red Oak died on a Friday and it was actually the Wednesday before he came home to my la and, um, and, and on Friday he was buried. So like we had a week there to like to take it all in but and people must have said God must, you must have found it a long week yeah. but it wasn't a long week it was if you could say it was a lovely week it was because like his friends came from everywhere and like it just all over and they were in the house morning, noon and night and it was lovely they talked they cried they laughed they were up in his room and down but like it was it was like someone said to us suggested to us that we keep the house closed for. but like I said our house was always open in good times so we left it open and bad, but we found we got great comfort from that as well as as the their his friends. You, you did as well, Redmond. You found some some solace from the support that everyone that rallied oh, around yeah, like that. It, yeah. it took us into in their arms, the community, the club, the neighbours. The neighbours were the were the front line, like, and then after that, the club, the wider community. But they just took it in. They ate us, fed us, they cleaned the house. We'd get up in the middle of the night. You know, you, you were only sleeping three or four hour periods at that point. So you, you'd get up in the middle of the night and there were, everybody's there making tea and coffee, doing a cup of coffee. like And, and that's the way it went down for the week. And it was good for us because, you know, it was, I suppose we had everybody around. We were sharing stories, you know, remembering the good times, which is the theme of the mm, whole, our record, yeah. you know, our, our day to day is, is remembering all the good times. And um, so, so with that, trying to remember all the good times, have you? Do you just try to keep it out of your head as to why he did it? To try to try to work out why it ended that way. Is it something you you spend much time on, or just just the, the, nothing positive can potentially come out of that? We don't dwell on it. Um, like I mean, obviously, yes, it does go through your head. I wonder why, but like you could put yourself in a bad way by looking back. So you have to try and concentrate on all the positives and move forward. And Radog, you know, and I keep saying this, but this is his way. He was so positive and everything. And it was a push on, push on. Like this was with football. And I mean, he would have done recordings and little video clips for different people. And that was his message out there. You know, just strive, keep pushing on keep, and you'll, you'll get there. And like that's it. Like to us, there's no point in looking back. It won't bring him back. And you have to be like for the other two boys as well. You have to remain positive and keep going and keep mm-hmm. strong. I mean, OK, you have your moments and you have your upsets and like that. Every day isn't perfect. Yeah. I but you just... Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, but you just have to you just have to keep going. And that's what... And we do. We do our best. But we we still believe he's around and like you get little signs and you think, oh my God, Riddog, you're here. Go on, go on. What sort of signs? <laughs> signs. Oh, well, I tell the story and my mother will kill me. But um, <laughs> I, I go visit my mother during the week and in her house, um, the front door... And like it makes a swish sound when it's opening. And um, then, you know, I said to him, you know, sometimes I hear the swish sound and when I'm sitting there with her and I said to him, ma'am, there's somebody coming. And she, we, she'll look and then she'll say, sure, no, there's nobody coming. And now this has happened on numerous occasions. Mm-hmm. Even last Saturday, I was sitting there with my sister and I said to her, do you hear that? And she said, no. And she said, what do you hear? And I said, the door. I said, this, like the swish to the door, but like nobody comes through. And I just said, that's that's a sign from Red Oak. Wow, I mean, yeah. and you can really, I can, I can feel that this. Like, you are displaying an unbelievable amount of strength, even to be able to come into a studio and talk about this. Why is it that you want to talk publicly in this way? What, do you, what, what would you like to come out of these conversations? 
I suppose the first thing is that, and we've said very openly, and it mightn't be fashionable, but we we believe uh, that Red Oak is with us. It, 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 circumstances are that he's further down the road, that he's reached the destination, and we're we're finding, you know, we're making our way there, and um, he's helping us do that. But he's still part of our family because it just to add a little bit of a story in mm. New York. Um, Sligo were in New York just shortly after he died last year to play the first round of the championship. Pat's Land's first game, or he had a great game with Sligo that day. And um, every one of the photos, we began to start uh, observing very early on that photos that we had nothing to do with had a purple light on them, just a purple spot it's on them. Blue orbs, they're called right. the blue orbs, yeah. So all the photographs coming through, phone photographs, they were all, uh, had this had this particular spot of light on it. Yeah. But um, I'm sorry, I lost No, it's okay. And actually, I just wanted to pick up on something you said that, that <coughs> it mightn't be very fashionable, but you, you still believe he's with us. Do you mean that re- religion isn't very fashionable now? Yeah, that's right. because we'd, we'd say, well, we are religious and we, we've talked about it. No, we're not like somebody asked if we we're, were going to Mass more often or anything. We, we go to regular mm-hmm. Mass. Red Oak went to Mass the Sunday before he died. Like, yeah. and, and two lads still go to Mass. Not out of because we say you have to, but they, they go willingly. But no, he might have had a bit of a hangover on that particular <laughs> Sunday morning, but he went to Mass. Yeah, yeah. But it helps us. It, we believe, we believe that, that this is it. Like it's, it's, we're heading yeah. down in his direction. He'll be there for us when, um, when we pass from this life. And there's a piece on the... the, the, the Headstone was put up this week and okay. the, there's there's one piece on it that Jared picked out that he said, meet you at the fair post. Mm-hmm. And that kind of says it too. And you're finding strength from, from that source as well? Oh yeah. Like, uh, as from day one, we believed that Red Oak was a miracle um, and that we had him for the 21 years and that he fulfilled so much in his 21 years like other people wouldn't have done it in a lifetime. And like we went places that we would never have gone with him. You know, if, he, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have gone. Like we wouldn't have been in Australia only for Red Oak. Um, so yeah, and we were blessed to have him. And that's the way we look at it and thankful that we have. Like there'd be no bitterness, no, none of that. You know, just we're just... Happy that we had him. Why do you feel like he was a miracle? You see, I would have had a miscarriage before I had him. And uh, when I had difficulties when I was pregnant with him. And uh, the gynecologist in Cork said, oh, no, he said, we'll throw everything at this one. And um, so he was with the gynecologist, I have to say, and in the bonds in Cork, they were excellent to us. And they were with us every step of the way and watching me, monitoring me through my pregnancy, as I'm sure they do with all pregnancies. But yeah, so I, like we feel that we had we got him. And, um, and I remember at the time, it actually, it was Dr. Corr was his name. And um, when he saw him uh, at the checkup, the six weeks checkup, whatever, and he looked at his hands and he said, that will make a great rugby player for Cork. He said like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not on, your, not on your watch, says you. No, 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 yeah. no. no, no. Yeah. That, that's the thing we don't talk much about is he's a cork man. <laughs> he's not actually a cork man. Yeah, he's a cork man. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's born right. in cork. Oshin yeah. and Red Oak are cork men. They were ah, born in cork. Yeah. Very yeah. good, very good. Well, that's... Uh, uh, this, uh, we did want to get back to the, the kind of reasons for having these conversations. And I know you would like people who might be struggling themselves with mental health to, to feel they can talk about it. I think just generally that people are more comfortable talking about this kind of uh, this kind of thing in public. Yeah, we're learning as we go along, but very much uh, that Friday night, Red Oak had reached a point of no return. For some reason, whatever the reason was, he reached a point of no return. And what we're begging people to do, and especially the younger groups, is that not to let it get to that point. That if there's early warning signs or there's, you know, if suicide comes into your head for any millisecond, you know, 
ask, tell your best friend. There's there's loads of help out there where you can go ring up, and it's all very anonymous, like, but it's very very supportive, and it, and it's very it is it's empathy and all that. So instead of of letting it allow it to the to the the point of no return, that if you think a suicide, even if it blinks across your mind for a millisecond. You know, it's time to to talk to somebody. It's time to tell a friend. It's time to seek some help. You know that before it gets to uh, to that level. Is, is that your message as well, Julia? Yes, I mean, with Fredog, he was a planner, and everything was planned. But for me, I don't believe for one minute that this was planned. That he had this planned. I I, I just don't. I just think it. Not that it was a one minute act. I just think that he might have gone into it might have been an hour, might have been two hours that he got into that mode. But once he got into it, he couldn't stop. Now, in other circumstances, like there are suicides that are planned. But like we would hope that people, you know, that feel themselves in like Redmond is saying in that situation that they would talk to somebody and just pick up the phone or, you know, just to talk to somebody rather than like it might have, they may have planned it for weeks and whatever. But like, just don't go there. I mean, we wouldn't want anyone to go through the pain that we go through. Ashling B, the actor and comedian, she her father died by suicide, and she watched a documentary about a woman whose son had died by suicide, and she wrote about this documentary she was watching. She thought that her son probably hadn't wanted to die forever just on that day when he'd been in so much pain. A light bulb moment for me. It had never occurred to me that maybe suicide had seemed like the best option in that hour. In my head, my father had taken a clear decision as my parent to opt out forever. Is that? That sounds like it might be how you view Red yeah. Oak, that, 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 that it was a, just a dark like, day or a dark, dark, dark moment. Yeah, a dark couple of hours and that he just got into that frame of mind and that he could see no way out. Like we just feel his his time was up, that nothing, you know. And I speak about the lights, that this is again going back to the faith bit. And I mean, and I do say I'm not a holy joke, but like those lights that I saw in Curry that night, I was going, I don't know whether you've heard the story. I was going to pick up Dahi at football training and was passing the school where I work. And whatever, I mean, I could see the lights, the main lights were on in the in the classroom. And when I was passing by, I looked back in my mirror for something and I could see these blue lights on my office window. And I thought, what are they? And um, I couldn't like fathom what they were. So I, I just, curiosity got the better of me. So I spun around on the road and I went back. And um, they were there. I could see them as plain as day right in front of me. And um, I went to the school. The caretaker wasn't in the school. So I rang him and I just said to him, the lights are on in the classroom. And he said, God, he said, sure, I don't think I'll put them on. But he said, I'll go out and turn them off. So he came out and, you know, he didn't go into my office because he didn't have the key. But... Mm-hmm. I was coming after picking Dahi up and the lights were still on, but the lights were going off in the classroom, but the lights were still on. And to me, it was a token from Our Lady that, like, that was it. And the following morning, we went into school and I was opening the door and I was afraid of my life going in. I thought, God, what's ahead of me here? Um, and there were girls laughing and they were joking at break time. They were saying she was seeing lights last night in the mm-hmm. office. Blue. But, you know, it was about an, maybe an hour and a half after that that the news came through. Mm-hmm. And I said, that was okay. that was my blue lights. It'd be like the, the candelabra. That our lady, and that's just that's just my, and that's I get great comfort from that. So Geraldine tells it's not my line, but it's Geraldine's line. She said she appeals, and every cause she appeals, that people are good to themselves. So I was reading a poem somewhere during the week, totally by accident, you know, and it says, "If you don't feel good getting up in the morning, that's okay. You know, if you don't feel like working, do your best, that's okay. You know, if you go to bed at night feeling bad, and that's okay too. You've done your best for the day." So it's people not to be hard on themselves. Gerald always tell you, you know, like not to be hard on themselves, to go easy on themselves. You know, 
give themselves a chance, give themselves a break. Have you had a lot of people get in touch with you, uh, in particular maybe since you did that piece with Malachi in the Irish Times, have a lot of families and, and people been in touch to, to have these kind of conversations? We would have got a lot of letters, yeah, yeah. a lot of letters, um, texts, yeah, but more so the letters and people that would have got, that wouldn't, maybe had experienced suicide in their own family, but they wouldn't have had come to terms with it. But now that they have listened to us, that they're, they're coming out a little bit more and getting on, and getting on with life, you know, I mean, it's, everybody grieves differently. Um yeah, and that's we have we have got even after like the the last radio we were on the, the, and that was Ocean FM we got um, letters back from that, but we know and we have heard feedback that we have saved and helped people you know saved mm. and saved that two lives for sure. Okay, and that's that's what we want. That's, that's about this yeah, is yeah, what yeah, we yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is what we want yeah. to get out there. Yeah, and do you guys feel? almost a pressure that goes with that or a responsibility when people who are in, in vulnerable positions themselves or have family members in vulnerable positions maybe are, are contacting you about this kind of thing? Well, I had an incident one evening since Rideau passed away and um, her son was in difficulty and I heard that her son was in difficulty and I went to the lady and I said to her, look, get in the car and go because I said, you have the sign, you have got the warrants you've got. I said, just go. I said, I, we didn't get that chance. Mm. Do you feel that it is a conversation that, that people are uncomfortable having in, in general, that we all need to work a bit harder uh, uh, on talking about this kind of stuff? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think it, it has to be with the young people. It has to start in maybe in secondary school where people discuss this and talk about it. And people don't talk about stigma. I think there's a stigma related with suicide and that they won't talk about it. But I mean, if you talk like... You get it out of your system and it, I, you get help. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you found that even afterwards, to, like talking like this and having conversations, do you, does it give you guys a sense of purpose as well? Has it helped you through the last year that you've, that you've actually been able to maybe help other people? Yes, it has. Um, just maybe to clarify a point, we wouldn't routinely have people coming to us asking us, yeah. If, you know, uh, we're in trouble, can you help? We wouldn't at all, apart from the, the story that, that Geraldine, just, just to be clear, because that's important. But, and you asked, like, the interviews is under pressure. No, this is an opportunity for us to get the message out there. This is what, we, this is what we're doing. We're doing our best. Like, we don't put it, we, we wouldn't be kind of withdrawing people. And not withdrawing is not the word we're... You know, we just live a normal life, yeah. and we don't We're normal do the, people. We don't do the light, yeah. you know, the the the, the spotlight spotlight piece. But this for us is we feel go, we feel good after because we feel out of a bad situation, some good might come. Yeah. And that's what we think that may, like Red Oak is gone, but that he's still working through us, and that he's doing another job that he was brought for another job and that we're here to do that work for him here you know to put out that word Have you got a sense over the last 12 months of how loved he was of the kind of figure he was for other people Yeah Red Dog wouldn't have any idea he'd be uh, Reverend says but he would be embarrassed with all these Yeah he would be like it's unbelievable like from every from this neck of the woods of all over Ireland and England different countries like yeah like Oh, where all the letters have come from it's unbelievable I, I mean he would die if he, he like was embarrassment of all the, like he never realised how popular he was mm. not a clue you I know. think the, the night of the the night his first night that we were home together 
we were both obviously we were very upset that it had been the Friday night uh, of known of his death and RAP started the, the condolences and RAP started to collect and some lovely messages in there from all around the country and I, we got a huge comfort from that because he was so different people like there's a lovely story about a, a lady in Dingle you know she put it, she felt she was you know she, it was appropriate to put it in she said look I watched them play uh, the year they beat Jarlitz they, they played the All-Ireland semi-final against the school from Dingle mm. and um, Red Oak was playing that day and uh, they, they lost to Dingle by a couple of points or something on the day and she said in, in the RIP that I followed them all his career since then a Kerry mm. woman wow and I have a, there was another story there's a friend of mine uh, whose son lives on an island out in Australia some part of Australia I don't know where but there was this woman that watched him as an Irish fellow coming over in Australia and she watched him and like her son lives on the island and she said to him about the Irish boy that uh, that died and that she had followed him all the way like and I mean that it's like that's Australia and she had followed him and all the way even when he came back here she followed him she was gutted she was devastated and she hadn't a clue of us or she never met him but she just followed him being yeah. an Irish boy just the impact that he, that, yeah, that he made that's on her it, yeah wow. but like that, it wasn't just with his football though I mean he had that yeah. uh, persona that he got on so well with people and he just like someone said he was like like sprinkling gold on people when he like dust or when he when he met people he was that's just the kind of fella he was uh, a girl the day he died a girl came up to me she said mm-hmm. Red Oak never passed anybody he said he'd stop instead of saying how yeah he'd stop and say he'd talk to you mm-hmm. and he seemed to have that effect in the DCU the, the, the different stories out of DCU was that you know when he came into a room that he, he, he lit up you know he, I won't say he lit it up but that's the words being used but he, he had a presence in the room and people liked him and enjoyed his company um, there's another uh, f- fairly phenomenon as well just f- for his popularity his mass his funeral mass after two weeks it was gone to 97,000 views mm-hmm. which is very unusual for for, uh, for such a tragic event but you know it, it just goes to show you but the RIP it, it tells a million stories of people all around the country but again uh, an empathy and, and arms around you to say you know we're thinking of you you know tough times and we're thinking of you and that has gone through that's all through the year though people have called and you know they're they're there and some people may not be in your face but you know you're, they're there like flowers might arrive at the door vegetables have arrived no names on them but like people are, are so good well listen yeah. you've left us with that's a wonderful tribute to your son I think it's some lovely memories there um, I know it's not an easy conversation either so Geraldine thank you so much Revan thank you so much thank you thank you Waves side to side, up, down, in, out, scores left hand. There's 10 seconds to go. McGuigan on a rope, off the ropes, takes a left to the body. But the champion has no venom left. As McGuigan goes for the big finish, catches him with her right hand. It's all over. It's all over. They're going for silver. They're going for bronze. John Tracy is 100 metres to go. In the past, Ireland have won bronze medals. John Caldwell, Freddie Gilroy, Sam Byrne, Jim McCourtney, Russell. They've won gold. Pat O'Callaghan twice. Bob Tessel, Ron Delaney. They've won silver with John McNally, Fred Teeth, Wilkinson, Wilkinson. And for the 13th time, an Irish medal goes to John Tracy. The crowd stands for the Irishman from Villiers Town and Waterford. The little man with the great heart. If it's the blue one, it's the Cuban. If it's the red one, it's the Irishman. The Cuban did some very good work on the inside. And Michael Carew is the champion of the Olympic Games. Michael Carew is the champion, the champion, the champion.
I'm in the ring here, and it's a, a joyous moment. Hey, very good Wigan, champion of the world. A dream come true. Barry, it's a long time since I've spoken to the National Stadium. Yeah. Hello, Ireland. Hello. We love you. Well done, Barry. That's it. Barry McGuigan been swept away. Your commentator with him from QBR's football ground. Ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with the words. Barry McGuigan is champion of the world. Thanks once again to Redmond and Geraldine for coming into us and speaking so powerfully on the pod. I mean, two seriously impressive people. You really get the sense of how important it is to them that talking about their experience can hopefully help others in some way. If you're affected by anything you heard in that chat, there are people to talk to, including groups like the Samaritans or Pieta House, among others. You can go on samaritans.ie or call them on 116123. The Pieta House website is pieta.ie. You can call them on 1800 247 247 or text help to 51444. That's almost it from us for this week. A heads up on next week. The Premier League is back, obviously, so we'll have a football pod on Monday and some Champions Cup rugby talk. We'll build up to the Republic of Ireland women's doubleheader against the USA. Michael Murphy is on with Paul Flynn. To, it's a good time to talk to Michael Murphy. He can provide a bit of insight into the goings on in Donegal football the last few weeks. And, and there have been there quite have a been few. Quite a few of those. <laughs> and loads more besides. But before we go today, Murph, can you please bring us your weekly Francis Murphy's Guide to the Weekend Sport on Television? Good morning, everyone. I loved watching City all year. They were very good, even though I'm a Liverpool supporter. Hello to all the listeners of Second Captains at Home and Abroad. Thank you. Do we need to explain the 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 whole idea of the Francis Murphy TV guide? Probably not. Let's just say on that my mother watches a lot of sport on television, and she would appreciate the sort of advice that I'm now about. She to really give. does. She goes she goes deep. But before we get to that, on it's a very special day for the Murphy family because Tony and Francis are married fifty years today. Are you serious? Yes, ah, 50 years. A great achievement. Congratulations. For man more than dad, let's be honest. It is a better achievement for man <laughs> than it is dad. She's done well. But uh, we're all very excited. We're all meeting up in the home place tonight mm-hmm. uh, for a little celebration. So I'm sure you'd like to, la- to add your congratulations. No, I would absolutely like to add my As congratulations you know, to Tony and Francis. My mother always says, how are the lads, how's on? And then how's Mark? And then the rest of the lads. I'm up there. I love it. No, I absolutely love it. So... It will mean a lot to her own, so thank you for yeah, that. No uh, tonight we have Shelburne against Derry City on RT2 at 7.45pm. Tomorrow then, the Premier League starts early on BT Sport at 12.30. It's Man City against Liverpool, followed by the Champions Elect on Gunnersaurus TV, Premier Sports <laughs> 1. Arsenal against Leeds at 3pm. The, se- the secret champions, as Ken called them yesterday, <laughs> only being seen in the Republic of Ireland. <laughs> on Arsenal Premier games. Sports. Yeah, yeah. Quite mental. With Chelsea Villa, the late game at 5.30pm on Sky Sports. If you want to go a little further afield, then there's Bayern against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Thomas Tuchel's first game as Bayern manager on Sky Sports Football also at 5.30pm tons of rugby action on Saturday as well on BT Sport 3 at 12.30 it's the Sharks against Munster live from South Africa followed by Ireland France in the Six Nations at 3.15pm with Leinster Ulster following hard after that at 5.15pm on BT Sport 4 and RTE 2 so Leinster Ulster is on RTE 2 okay. the Division 3 and 4 finals are on TG Car. Sligo against Ushie McConville's Wicklow at 5pm as we've been discussing followed by Fermanagh Cavan at 7.15pm Anthony Joshua back in the ring on Saturday night against Jermaine Franklin live on DAZN coverage starts at 7pm he'll be in the ring at around well 
10pm But as ever <laughs> A movable feast On Sunday then The Australian Grand Prix At 4.30pm Or 4.30am Excuse me 4.30am On Sky Sports the That's live- an early start Well A little too early on Even for, for Majority of people Even for McDevitt uh, Jr Yeah The uh, the live GA on TG Carrier Is Dublin against Derry In the Division 2 final At 1.45 Followed by the Division 1 final Between Gold and Mayo At 4pm With the Division 2A Hurling final Between Kildare and Offaly Available on the TG Carrier YouTube channel At 2pm also And the two live Premier League games on Sunday Are West Ham Southampton At 2 Followed by Newcastle Manchester United At 4.30pm it's a nice weekend. That's, that's a good spread. Yes. Yeah. There's a bit on, on. Yeah. A, a lovely bit on. I'll take that. I'll take that. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, On. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for the support, as always. We will talk to you next week. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's the persuasion of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.